Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Pursuing Jesus podcast. My name is Shane Winnings, and I am excited to be bringing you this episode. It is called God on Trial. This is going to be a good one. I'm very excited to uh, give this message today. So we're going to kick it off. What's the, the theme of this episode? When God takes the blame for the work of the devil. Hey, I want to thank you first for listening Last year, we reached over 110,000. I want to double that this year. I want to, I want to triple that. I want to reach over 300,000 this year. I think we can. And uh, a reason we reach so many people is because we are in the top 1% of most shared podcasts in all of Spotify. I'm talking hundreds of thousands of podcasts. We're in the top 1%. And so if you want to help us keep growing, keep reaching people, all you got to do is share. doesn't take anything but a second of your time copy that link, throw it up on Instagram and just say, hey, you guys should check out this podcast or what's really effective, send it to some friends and family. You know, I love sending helpful stuff to some close friends or to some of my family and say, hey, this blessed me. You should listen to it. It's only 20, 30 minutes long, perfect for a little drive or, you know, if you're at the gym, whatever it is. So please keep sharing. And finally, listen, we have so many amazing things happening this year. Um, I am writing the curriculum for a discipleship school. I'm traveling and preaching, but I'm also going on tour with Sean Foy and Let Us Worship. We are going to every state capital over the next two years. So we'll be going to 25 of them this year, and I need your help to make this happen. Um, I'm fully supported by donors, and look, I am looking for 100 partners that will be down to give $30 a month or a dollar a day. If, if you're interested, DM me on Instagram if you're willing and uh, I want to have a chat with you. I also want to include you on our monthly donor Zooms. I want to get you on a Zoom call. I want to keep you updated. I want to hear about your life and what you've got going on. And I think it would be a lot of fun for the donor team just to all meet each other and, you know, just build something of a, a little virtual community, a virtual family. So if you want to be one of the hundred that is going to help me go on this tour and reach people for the gospel this year, um, we have we have donors for our, our livelihood, right, for our rent and for everything else, for food and for all that stuff. I am now looking for ministry partners, people that will help us advance the gospel. And look, I do so many, everything I do is free, actually. I've never charged for a meeting. Um, I put out podcasts. I put out YouTube content. I put out Instagram content, TikTok content, like you name it, I'm doing it for free. So uh, I'm just asking some people to help me keep doing this, and I want to see people face-to-face. So we're going on this tour. It's going to be epic. So thank you for considering partnering with us. Look, if you don't tithe anywhere, consider tithing to Overcomers, which is my nonprofit. Consider uh, tithing to me. Consider s- or splitting your tithe. Um, but but I encourage you, whether it's me or any other you know, Christian uh, content creator, preacher, traveling evangelist like I do, so into someone, so into someone who is out there sharing the gospel, whether it's me or someone else, I don't care. But please, so into people. My wife and I so into a few different people. Um, It is so important to, as God provokes you, to just help others keep spreading the gospel. So with that being said, we're going to get into this. Here is the groundwork. Here is the basis for this whole episode. It is John 10.10. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Look, Jesus makes it very clear that the enemy has a job description. 
If you've ever had a job or applied for a job or a position, it came with a description. Hey, this is what you're going to be expected to do. You need to fulfill these requirements. If you've ever applied for something, you know, they say you need to fulfill these specific requirements in order to make it. Well, the enemy has requirements. He has duties and responsibilities that he fulfills. This is what he does. This is his, his, his MO, right? His method of operation. He steals, he kills, and he destroys. In fact, Jesus went as far as to say the thief does not come except... So it doesn't just say the thief steal, kills, and destroys. It says that's the only reason that he comes. And listen, I need you to grab a hold of this concept here because the enemy is very crafty, and I'm going to paint this picture of what he does over the next 10, 15 minutes that has probably put you in a tailspin or your mind in a whirlwind at some point. The thief does not come. You could replace does not with only come. Does not come except. That means he only comes to do these three things. Steal, kill, and destroy. And then Jesus makes a very hard transition here. I have come that they may have life and may have it more abundantly. The enemy is doing three things. Jesus is doing one thing. So this is your level of discernment being heightened right now. Whenever you are facing something, whenever you are walking into an environment, an atmosphere, a trial, whatever, a new season, look at what is happening. Is life happening? Is it producing life? Is it producing life within you? Is it is it provoking you closer to Jesus? Is it is it growing you spiritually in your spirit, man? Or are things being stolen and killed and destroyed and there's chaos and there's division and there's striving and there's tension? Who's responsible? Jesus himself said they will know you by your fruit. Well, guess what? The enemy has fruit. And when things are being stolen, killed, and destroyed, it's safe to say that he is there. It's like where there's smoke, there's fire. Where there's stealing, killing, destroying, there's the enemy. Now, why am I harping on this? Because so often... We paint God as someone who does these things. When they're stealing, killing, and destroying, we turn and we put God on trial and we put him in the witness seat or in the, the, the seat being ready to be examined and cross-examined. And we say, well, why did you allow these things to be stolen? Why did you allow these things to be killed? Why did you allow these things to be destroyed? And this isn't a version 2.0 of the message I just did talking about when God allows you to be destroyed. But that question does put God on trial. And let me tell you where that question comes from. Because how many of you know that when you put an innocent man on trial, the suspect, the person who's responsible, the perpetrator, is running free. So not only do you have the wrong guy, you don't have the right guy. He's out running, doing everything he's supposed to be doing. He's skirting away getting away with what he's been doing. And we're pinning it on the wrong guy. Let's look, let's start in the garden. What did Satan do to Eve? He made Eve question two things, really. And I'm sure there's more. You could keep breaking this down, but this is just something I threw together here. Satan made Eve question first God's faithfulness. He said, did God really say, when she says, hey, we're not, we're not supposed to eat this, did God really say that? 
she's making he is making Eve question one herself and two did God actually say that did God lie to you is that really what God meant is God actually faithful does he does he actually tell the truth is he trustworthy or maybe he he didn't say what he meant maybe he said something else then he questions God's character. Well, God just knows that. And so what he's saying to Eve is to try to get her brain to go, oh, God was holding something back from me. Satan, you're right. I do need to eat from this tree. I do need to have my eyes opened. God just knows you'll be like him. Well, you know, if Eve had kept her mind where it should have been and fleed from temptation she would have realized that she was already like God. Her and Adam were made in the image of God. Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit were together in the beginning, and it says, let us make man in our image. And boom, there's Adam. And then he draws forth Eve from the fullness of himself within Adam. The fullness of God within Adam, he draws from it and creates Eve. And so now you have the fullness of God in Eve and in Adam, and they are existing together, and you have the image of God. And Satan goes, well, if you eat this, you'll be like God. They were already like God. But he gets her questioning God's faithfulness and character, and all of a sudden the Bible says, even though God created everything and it was good, how many of you know it says that so many times? He saw it and it was good. Well, the enemy gets Satan to question the enemy gets Eve to question God's faithfulness and character, and all of a sudden it says that she looked at the tree. She looked at the fruit on the tree that she is not supposed to touch because that leads to death, and she looked at it. This is what happens when sin gets your eye, and you look at it and you don't flee. It says she looked at it and saw that it was pleasing. So she took it. Satan is doing the same thing today. Let's look at the story of Job. What was Satan's main motive? I'm here with some alliteration again. I know technically there's supposed to be three for alliteration, but I've got two. We got a motive and we got a method. Satan had a motive and Satan had a method. Satan's main motive was to get Job to curse God. He told God, and I say this a lot, so you should be able to fill in the blank. But guys, there's a reason I hit on these foundational stories from the Old Testament. Because Satan has not changed. And listen, even Paul writes, Hey, it, it, it is good for me to remind you of these things. Even though you are established in them, you're walking in them, you already know this as true. It's good for me to remind you this because to you it's a safeguard. Some of you, you might hear me and you go, Man, I've already heard that. No, you need to get this in your head over and over and over again. There's a reason I dwell on a couple truths, and that has made me who I am today. Job had, in the story of Job, Satan had one motive. He said, God, nobody loves you. They love what? What you do for them. Now, you could say the story gets old and you're tired of hearing it, but are you facing some of these similar struggles where everything is good for you until it's not good, and then you begin to question God? Listen, Satan was sure that Job would do this. His motive was to get Job to not just question God, but curse God. But before you can curse God, it starts with questioning God. And some of you are finding yourselves questioning God right now. You're questioning his faithfulness. You're questioning his goodness. You're questioning his character. 
That's a dangerous place to be. That means that the enemy has sold you a lie or he's flirted an accusation against God at you that you are entertaining. And I want to encourage you to run away from that. Satan's main motive was to get Job to curse God. He said, God, nobody loves you. They love what you do for them. Watch what happens if you strike him down. You take everything he has. He's going to curse you to your face. What did God say? He didn't say, okay, I'll strike him down. Okay, I'll take everything. He said what? Everything he has is in your hand. Was that God handing Job over on a silver platter? No, it wasn't. God was saying this. I don't know why you're here asking me. That's part of your job description. You're the ruler of this world. You're the prince of the air. Job's on the earth. I gave man dominion and they handed it over to you. Why are you here asking me about Job? Yeah, I've said, have you considered my servant Job, but I know the integrity of his heart and I'm going to one-up you. But as far as getting permission to go after Job, uh, he's already a human being on the earth and dominion's been given to you. So he is under your dominion, but he's under my sovereignty. And so in my mercy and in my sovereignty, I'm going to put limits on you. But I don't know why you're asking me to do what's in your job description. You're asking me to strike him down. You're asking me to take. Everything he has is in your hand. You're going to do what you're going to do, but guess what? I'm not going to allow you to do these things. God puts limits on them, but it doesn't change Satan's motive. He's like, I'm going to get Job to curse God. Now check this out. What was, this is so important. Please get this. Because in order to accomplish his motive, he had a method. His main method was to make it look like God was doing the striking. The only way that Satan could get Job to curse God is if he could make it look like God was the one doing the striking. This is evidenced after the first time that Satan struck Job. And Job cried out, though you slay me, I'm still going to worship you. And guys, let me just pause here. That is not a line for us to be using. People are, they're, they're a little bit naive and a little bit ignorant sometimes because people will say things like this. Well, it's in the Bible, so we're supposed to pray it. Okay, Job was a man being afflicted by Satan who thought it was God. That doesn't give you the, uh, the permission slip to go out there and say, though you're slaying me, God. If we learn anything from really w- looking at the story of Job, God was not the one doing the slaying. And God even responds to Satan and he says this, though you gave him a cause to have a reason against me, you incited him to have a cause against me. You, here's what he's saying, you made it look like I was the one striking Job so that he would get mad at me. And guess what? He still worshiped me. God is saying, you're the one who struck him, but you put the blame on me. And Job even thought it was me, but he still worshiped me. God knew Job's integrity, but it doesn't change the fact that that was Satan's main method was to make it look like it was God. Now, let me ask you, if you really read the book of Job, did God strike Job or did Satan strike Job? Don't even, don't even get in this demonic line of questioning where you go, well, God allowed it. Why'd God allow it? You're missing the whole thing. And I'm telling you, that question will never produce life. It will put you in a tailspin and you will never get the question, th- that question answered. 
And as long as you think that God is doing the striking, you will never have true intimacy with him. Why? Because you can't have true intimacy with someone whose motives you're always questioning, whose motives you're always judging. It's just like being in a bad relationship. Think about this. If you think someone is cheating on you constantly, how are you going to have intimacy with them? Because you're always wondering if they're with someone else, thinking about someone else. Are they staying? Are they going? When it comes to God, are they blessing? Are they cursing? Are they striking? Are they giving? I don't know. Jesus is the one who said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything else is from the evil one. When you marry yes and no, you get a maybe so. And many of you might be serving a maybe so God in your mind. And that's why you don't have intimacy. Because you can't rely on the promises of God because Satan has sold you the lie that God is actually a maybe God. Maybe he'll bless me. Maybe he'll curse me. I'm not sure, but I'm just along for the ride and I'm doing the best I can. Listen, I applaud your faith. I applaud your discipline to stand fast and hold firm to the word and to follow God. But can I just tell you that God is not the one doing the cursing. God is not the one doing the striking. And even in the main story here, where we paint the picture of God writing a permission slip and giving permission and allowing Satan to do all these things, we miss the fact that Satan is the one striking and blaming it on God. Can I tell you that he's doing the same exact thing today? Satan is striking and he's pushing the blame on God and many, many, many people that I meet around the country and I'm sure globally question God and they put God on trial and Satan is running around scot-free. We cannot fight a spiritual battle if we think our leader is the one destroying us. When we put God on trial, we are already destined to be destroyed because the real suspect is out there running free and he's not receiving any of the blame. Listen, God allowed it is one of the most horrific statements or why did God allow is one of the worst questions that a Christian could possibly ask. When it comes to stealing, killing, or destroying, we just need to understand there is an enemy out there and that is his job description. And you, as the Christian, here is the charge as we wrap this episode up. You, as the Christian, have the great privilege to stand in a place of faith regardless of the attacks that come your way. So will you join me? Will you join me as Christians who say, listen, I'm going to stop putting the blame on God. It doesn't matter why things happen the way they happen. What matters is how do I respond? It didn't matter why things happened to Job the way they did. God was interested in Job's response. Satan was interested in Job's response. And so I ask you today, how are you going to respond? Are you going to bless God? Are you going to serve God? Listen, we have more information than Job did. Job didn't know the enemy was out there. He didn't go, oh, stealing, killing, destroying. This is obviously the work of the devil. God, I thank you that you're protecting me. You're preserving me. God, I don't understand why everything happens, but I do know that I'm hidden in the shadow of your wing. I know that my life is not my own. One day I'm going to be with you forever. But right now I have the great privilege to stand in truth, to not be shaken by this trial, and to show the enemy that I really do love you. God, thanks for loving me. Thanks for creating me. Thank you that you see me, you know me, you hear me when I pray. I will not be moved by these attacks from the enemy. Job didn't know about any of that stuff. He didn't pray any of that. But he had a form of faith that was so strong that even thinking God was the one literally 
striking him, killing his family, killing his property, killing off everything and taking everything, he still worshiped God. Even in the face of this doubt, this temptation to doubt and to curse God from his own wife, he didn't. Guys, we have been taught by Jesus that there is an enemy out there, and this is what he does. Jesus made it clear in John 10.10. Guys, there's an enemy out there, and here's what he comes to do. So whenever you see stealing, killing, destroying, don't blame me. I'm the one bringing life, and I'm giving you the great privilege to stand on truth and to contend for life in the face of stealing, killing, destroying. I'm giving you my spirit so that you have the power and the endurance to hold fast to the word I've given you despite what's in your face. Will you do it? Come on, are you fired up? I'm fired up. I'm ready to walk through a fire. I've walked through so many fires in the last seven years that I've been saved, but I'll tell you what, God is faithful. And I've never had a moment of intimacy where I was questioning his character, his goodness. Trust me, there have been times, and maybe you know what I'm talking about, to doubt. There have been times where I had no sensual evidence, no reason in my life to believe in God, but I chose to believe by faith because I know that he's real. I look back on what he's done and I say, God, I don't understand what's happening right now. I don't know what's going to happen in the future. But one thing I do know is who you are and that I will not question that. I love you. I worship you. I serve you. And I refuse to take the bait of doubting you, questioning you, or even putting the blame on you as if you're the one on trial. No. Guess what? Stand with me as we put Satan on trial and we find him guilty of what he's done. And we know that God has already sentenced him and that his execution day is coming. And until that point, we hold fast, we stand firm, and we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. Because Hebrews tells us that if we keep our eyes on Jesus, we are going to run well. We're going to endure and we will always overcome. Amen? Guys, I'm fired up. I'm ready to start preaching now. (laughs) Listen, if this spoke to you, please share this. Share it, share it, share it. Copy that link, send it to friends and family, post it on social media, tag me in it, whatever you got to do. We are not going to put God on trial anymore. Amen? Amen.